0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Ivan Pace can't help but tackle people. He's a
2: machine, folks. Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. If you listen closely, you can hear Ryan Wright's punt still dropping from the sky.
3: And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings and Jack Podlesny was convicted in a kangaroo court. He did everything right, and
1: they indicted him. Joint practices in full swing. We talk about him next on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in Thursday edition, Minnesota football party on lockdown sports, Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter slash X. And uh, they call me a Vikings insider on this network. Apparently I go out to Vikings practice, got the reports there, and we'll be talking joint practices today. Luke Inman, Luke Braun joining me on the show. That's at Luke underscore Spinman. That's at Luke Braun NFL talking Vikings football for the next hour. Ron Johnson joins the show shortly. We'll get his impressions of joint practices. I saw Ron out there watching the Titans and Vikings square off. We're also going to get into Kurt Cousins' clutchness this year. I've got a nugget that will blow you away about what we can expect from Kurt Cousins this year. And Ivan Pace Jr. continues to star. So much to discuss on today's Minnesota Football Party. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel.com slash on America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more at FanDuel. Uh, please subscribe, by the way, on YouTube. It's free, and find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts, SiriusXM, Roku, Amazon Fire, lots of ways to watch and listen to Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Uh, Luke Braun, this seems to happen about this time every Thursday. I think there's a, there's a trend developing, but what's the latest? The Vikings signed... A running back, rookie
3: out of Richmond, Aaron Dykes. You and to make room think. on their roster, you guys aren't going to like it. Uh-oh. They waved Jack Podlesny. No. The Uh-oh. hot pot is gone, everybody. The hot He didn't pod? even get a chance. You didn't he even didn't even get a crack.
1: Goodbye, didn't even get a chance in a preseason game. Goodbye, my friend.
3: It was you never a real competition after
2: all. You have been the one Sad day, sad day.
1: Me. Um... Maybe they saw him in the fierce wind yesterday and said, no, you can't can't cut it, kid, if you can't kick in this. Yesterday, the wind almost ruined it. It was absurdly windy out at TCO to the point where kickers kicking into the wind could not reach the crossbar on a 45-yard attempt. And kickers, or punters, I should say, punting with the wind at their back were literally punting at the length of a football field. (laughs) <laughs> that that was the wind yesterday at the uh, Hurricane that was TCL Performance Center. And that was an underlying theme at joint practices, Vikings-Titans. Number one takeaway besides the wind, Ivan Pace Jr. is insane. I've noticed this throughout camp. I'm sure the coaches don't love it, but I kind of do love it. He, like, can't help himself from tackling people. It's like Lewis Seen is the opposite. Lewisine Seen is always in position and he can't help. Like he, it's almost impossible not to tackle someone and Lewisine Seen will not tackle them. Ivan pace tackles people where he has no business tackling people. He's knocking over Derek Henry for gosh sakes. That happened yesterday. Did he really knock him down? Derek? He knocked, Henry, the king. Describe that play to me. How,
3: how much was that visual? Was that Derek Henry losing a physical
1: battle and how much of that was it being camped? I want to say it was a pitch left. Uh, Henry kind of broke through the first hole. Then Ivan Pace, f- like, filled at the next level and moved in quickly, closed ground, and then hit him, like, not really a wrap-up, more of a, like, shoulder into the body
2: and sent him flying. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable, man. He he has officially like stolen the show when it comes to just this training camp phase. Like when we look back and we think about training camp Vikings 2023, Ivan Pace is gonna be the first thing everybody thinks about and talks about. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Not only like not only like crown him Mr. Mankato, yes, but oh, yeah. like my God, guys, like he may be the biggest clear cut Mr. Mankato winner we've had in what four or five years. I mean, since what Sloater or something? I don't know. I'd have to go yeah, back and yeah. check the notes, but it's crazy, man.
3: Like every time we see an undrafted rookie have a good day in camp, we go, "Hey, you know, remember Ivan Pace? That could right. be real. Could be right. something." Like they, right. we're gonna we're gonna right. be wrong like four other times about someone right. else because of him.
1: Right? He's stacked so many good days at this point yeah. too. It's it's and he's working with the
2: ones. Well, that's Ryan SMO out. Yeah, a, a rookie UDFA, not a first round pick but a UDFA to come in and learn every detail of the playbook to the point they've trusted him already in a game, game one, by the way, my professional career, UDFA to wear the green dot. Like it's the green dot for me outside of yes, getting reps with the one, but the green dot man just speaks such high volumes. I think as far as like how the coaches view him, not just physically as a player, but just mentally as a guy you can trust to, to call and run the defense because I don't know. I think about the draft process, right? Like plenty of times you, you, you study these guys coming out and physically they check all the boxes, but then you get to the actual games and they turn out to be, they call them coach killers because they're so lost when it comes to, all right, the new speed of the game, missing assignments. Mm-hmm. You know, they end up making these coaches look terrible. Like coach, Hey, what's going on? I, I drafted this kid for you in the fourth round. He's got all the physical tools. How come he's not making more plays? So, Yeah, I just think for him to come in, earn that green dot already. You know, I think KOC said at the podium yesterday, he's not fighting for a roster spot anymore. We're we're way beyond that. He's pushing the first team reps already. So it's just so fun to watch, man. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch him and his career kind of develop, just knowing how hot he started out the gate.
1: Let's read the quote from KOC. I didn't, I didn't know if we had a good KOC quote on Ivan Pace. I know we've heard from Flores, we've heard from teammates, we've heard from other coaches, college coaches who've been interviewed uh, for features, but I asked KOC yesterday about Pace, and he, he did not disappoint in the answer. Here's the quote, courtesy of Will Raggett, who transcribed it. Really, in every facet of the game, how we're playing defense, the communication, pressure, no pressure, the way he has the athleticism to run sideline to sideline, cancel out some mistakes. If we lose a gap here or there, he's shown to be able to get off blocks for a guy that when I watched his tape in college, he was almost unblockable. And that's translating in a lot of ways. It could be a great look for a play, getting alignment up to him on the second level, and he somehow avoids that block and makes the play while he's maintaining, doing his job so he doesn't undress any other facet of the defensive call. He did great with the green dot the other day in Seattle. Gold stars all the way around for Ivan, as I've challenged him to do you're not just trying to compete to make our team, let's see where you can go and help us possibly win football games from the jump. Um, I looked for precedent on this.
3: Man. Like it, that's such a crazy like everyone's ears perked up as soon as
1: he said that. <laughs> um, I looked it up. There are since the turn of the century, there are four undrafted linebackers that have started 10 games as a rookie. In 23 years. Now, I'm not saying we don't know if he starts yet. Right. Like he might just be a a rotational player. Still, Brian SMO is still probably going to start. But if that happened, if injury happened, if pace was in that position, like this could be an unprecedented kind of, uh, you know, rookie season for an undrafted guy from Cincinnati. That's super wild.
2: Yeah, I pulled up my uh, final big board, and I had this guy ranked as the 96th best player in the draft just based off the tape. That That's like a super late third-round pick. That's like the compensatory picks, late third-round, early fourth. Obviously, he drops because of the small size. We get that. That's the big storyline now. We, we understand why he dropped. But, I mean, just to watch the Vikes reap all these rewards now for taking a swing on him, bringing him to Minnesota in that undrafted pool after the draft – it's a huge resume booster, guys, for Quasey's draft history. Big win, I feel like he kind of needed this one, you know, such a slow start with obviously the big names, guys like scene and Booth, et cetera the year prior. But, um, yeah, I think Quasey needed this one for his resume for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Other takeaways from yesterday, it was not particularly eventful. And I think, again, I think the wind kind of ruined it because, like, even, One-on-ones, right? wide receivers versus defensive backs, usually a very exciting drill. Anything that was thrown into the wind, it was getting knocked down to the point where defensive backs were getting flagged a lot because the receiver was always having to come back to the ball, so they were just running through the defensive back, and the defensive back was getting penalized because they just couldn't throw it downfield. Kirk Cousins, in the two-minute drill, tried to throw a corner route to Justin Jefferson, one of his best, you know, high percentage throws. Just got just got sucked into the air, lost all its velocity, intercepted by Roger McCreary. A lot of that yesterday. Not a lot downfield. But you know what was great, guys? Special teams. I know Luke, you were asking me about Najee Thompson. I didn't see a My lot guy. of it actually. I think I was watching the wrong field because they were doing it in multiple he areas. A, but he had a big pass breakup in the one-on-ones. Yeah, I think I did see that. That was good. But the the gunning drills are by far the best. By the far. Gunning the gunning drills best. rule.
3: They're so That was good. super like everybody nobody's paying attention to them at the beginning of the of the day because they come at the beginning of practice. It's like they just started stretching. You know, Justin Jefferson's over there doing skull chance or something because he's not part of it. So nobody's paying attention.
2: <laughs> Everyone's looking for TJ Hawkinson. Will he yeah, exactly. be today? Where are we at? Yeah.
3: What are the quarterbacks doing? They're usually like over on the other field. Right. But like I love the gunner drills in particular and like the kickoff. That's basically like a, a, they're like one-on-one see if you can get to the tackler kind of stuff. Cause that's the hungriest guys on the team.
2: And you got some fresh blood finally too, right? It's the same twelve guys going up against each other one on one for the last right. three weeks. Now we got some fresh blood going on, and guys that are also trying to make their roster and final fifty-three man team as well and, on the other side. So, and um, like, there's no can like, bodies the there, you know? Just jacks up a notch. Yeah, you're right. You're
3: right. It's like, so you know, somebody that. Usually, I mean, you're never going to have somebody like Abraham plant. He's never going to be a linebacker from scrimmage for this team. Right. Like, he's just, he ranks like eighth. It's not happening. But hey, when you get to the gunner drills, when you get to the kickoff drills and stuff, you do well enough here. There's a world where you make the roster on just that. And that's true for everybody. I think that's beautiful.
2: Is Najee your clear-cut special teams, whether it be Gunner or whatever, but just like your special teams kind of stand out from that, you know, bottom third of the roster guys competing for a, a roster spot? Luke? Uh, Luke, just that, because he was... That's Luke's oh, guy. Yeah. Najee. Yeah, yeah, Najee is my yeah.
3: guy. And that was, I think, for the drills... My eye is not trained enough to ha- to know what I was really looking at at camp. For me, it looked like Teg Allen was probably the the one that was like outplaying his like stock from scrimmage the most, but you know, you had guys like Patel doing great and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I saw a little bit from Najee Thompson, but I kind of walked away going, all right, maybe he's not the special teams guy. I thought, and then the preseason game happens. It's like, okay, maybe I just had no idea what I'm
2: Right. Thinking. Right. Depends on what day <laughs> yeah, I you guess. show up, what, what rep you see for sure. It's a big like body I, of work. You know, you can't yeah, just base I, every evaluation off one day, even, you know, when you see 12, 15 reps.
3: And I think the preseason game is probably the most visible thing that has happened in any setting, whether it's camp or a right. practice. Like those plays from Najee Thompson were like, okay you are the guy and he was with the first team special teams too, which I think is meaningful.
2: If Najee is one and Sam, you can chirp in here. If Najee's one who's number two, as far as like just kind of standing out on special teams, you know, if we're trying to trim down our final 53 man projection, there's going to be a guy or two that just makes it on special team. Tay Gowan, Theo Jackson, Jay Ward, any of those guys, uh, the clear cut number two. That Pat Jones?
1: I think Jay okay. Ward yeah. is, has a lot of upside as a special teamer. Um, yeah. and that's and I think he probably makes the team based on his draft spot, right? So he has to be. He has to be good. Uh Ty Chandler actually struck me as a pretty impressive special teamer yesterday. I think I think he's got some some toughness to him that I like to see. Uh one other disappointment, then we get to Ron Johnson. Jordan Addison concussed, did not get to participate yesterday, and that's that's a bummer because this was going to be a great test for him. Um, and then Traylon Burks having to lead practice for the Titans. That's another bummer. Non-contact, too. Great, great throw downfield. Made a play, beat a guy, and then just came up hobbling. Don't know what happened to him, but not great for Tennessee. That's their number two wide receiver. Um, so back at it today, obviously, we'll be uh, seeing, checking on the injuries, seeing who's on the field. We will not be seeing Jordan Addison, though. Uh, Ron Johnson joins momentarily, but we want to remind you first that we're presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook, great partner of ours here at Locked On, and this is the promotion they've got going on right now. Football season's about to kick off. You can go to the Super Bowl Futures section at FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook app. You got all 32 teams and their odds. Maybe you think the Colts with Anthony Richardson, are going to go off this year. 100-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Place that bet, sit back, and watch them throughout the season. Root for them to win every week. You can get bonus bets every time that team wins during the regular season. Uh, and then you can put those bonus bets on whatever you want. you got hundreds of ways to wager on football at FanDuel. So check that out. They've got great promotions going on all the time at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash on is the website. FanDuel.com slash on. Start earning bonus bets September 10th when the regular season kicks off. No better place to bet football than America's number one sports book, FanDuel. Make every moment more. Ron Johnson joins now. He is the host of The Ron Johnson Show. He's at 3Ron Johnson on Twitter hosts the Vikings pregame show. He does postgame on the radio. He's dialed in, and he was at joint practices yesterday watching the Titans and Vikings go toe-to-toe. Ron, let's just get right to it. What were your biggest impressions yesterday?
0: Uh, well, I'd say the most intense groups were the special teams groups. Uh, I got a chance to actually co- talk to the uh, DB coach who played at Duke, uh, now the Minnesota Vikings uh, special teams coordinator, and he and I just chopped it up a little bit, uh, just just about football. I mean, he played the game. He played in the NFL, um, but now back coaching special teams. And then, you know, the first thing I kind of asked him was about the intensity of that. And he said, um, th- the one way a lot of these guys are going to make the team, because everybody's not Justin Jefferson. Everybody's not uh, Alexander Madison. Everybody's not Kirk Cousins. You don't have a guaranteed spot on this team. is going to be on his side of the ball in special teams. And so I noticed – Um, That that was cranked up like those drills for special teams seemed like they had the most intensity seemed like there was the most get to it within those groups. Uh, Also, I think the first fight was in that group. Um, But you know, I think that's going to be the key you want to see that you want to see who has that in them. Uh, because special teams demons are needed in order to make it through a season and actually be successful. Uh, you don't want to go through this season with guys that are just out there because they want to be out, you know, just just uh, you know half acid and kind of you know go through the motions. You want guys out there who really want to make a Pro Bowl on special teams, and so it feels like they have a couple guys uh, that are trying to make a name for themselves on special teams. If we know Chris Boyd, without special teams, he's probably not a Minnesota Viking for as long as he was. And so now they're looking for another guy like that. Chris Boyd's moved on to the Arizona Cardinals, which should be fun because he'll be here next week, and I think he said with the Cardinals. Uh, so that should be fun to see him in special teams practice mm-hmm. against his Vikings because we know he talks a lot of crap, and he's going to want to take it out on them because he always feels like somebody doesn't appreciate him or doesn't respect him. So I'm looking forward to that. But I, I think that was what I took away most was that. And then also um, just just Derrick Henry and team drills. Uh, he needs true full go. To get a feel of what derrick henry really is like if he if it's not true tackle and it's not true i can run through your face mask um mm-hmm. you don't really get a chance to see what derrick henry is really about so it was very interesting it's big i mean he's a big boy too but as big as he is because i got a chance to go down there and he walked right by me and kind of stood there and i'm like man this dude is huge like he's a big dude so uh, that was the other part of it like you don't really get a true sense of derrick henry without full go so that was the other thing i took away from it like the vikings did uh, kind of do a good job, I guess, of keeping him uh, from getting big runs. But is that is that truly Derrick Henry that we're seeing? So I'd be interested to see in this, uh, as, as the season gets going, these full goal periods that they actually do have a little bit more thud and banging uh, to, in today's practice.
1: Right, because it, it looked sometimes like, oh, well, they kind of got there right when he reached the line of scrimmage. That might have been a tackle. But in reality, Derrick Henry makes a guy miss. He falls ahead. You got four yards, and – Suddenly, that's a good run. So, or you end yeah. up
0: viral and he stiff arms you into the sideline. So, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things Derrick Henry can do that he can't do right now
1: uh, without full go. Yeah. Uh, Spinman, what do you got?
2: Yeah, Ron, let's take two minutes and talk some people off the ledge about Andrew Booth. What's going on right now with him? Because this has slowly become a recurring question if this guy could or should be even cut. Now, I'm not even close to that point yet. I think no matter what happens this year, he should get a fair crack in year three, right? Kind of wipe the slate clean. But what what are you just seeing out there from a technique standpoint and just kind of a point of view as a former NFL wideout yourself? Like, what's the biggest issues right now? He just needs to clean up and are those things fixable i guess is there any hope talk some of these fans off the ledge if you can
0: well i mean the fans are on the ledge i don't know if you guys seen lethal weapon the very first one i know sam probably hasn't uh <laughs> but with with, with, <laughs> <chance>. <laughs> with mel time. with mel gibson for those that remember the very first lethal weapon when uh, danny glover first meets mel gibson and they go to an apartment building and they're trying to get a guy off the ledge Mel Gibson hooks a, a, a handcuff to the guy and they jump off the ledge. So that's the point I'm at where Andrew Booth Jr. Like if we're going to be on the ledge, let's just jump together. Because at this point, um, honestly, he has not shown uh, the ability to really say I should be on this team. I, I hate to say it. Like it's I, I really did like him. I, I really do like him. I think there are some fixable things. So the answer is uh, Luke one. Let's put some handcuffs on and jump off this building. Like, let's—we can trade him. Uh, I know he's come up in a couple. Like, he's come up in the uh, 32 teams. There was an article of 32 teams, and we'll talk about this on the roundtable tomorrow. 32 teams. Uh, who's the most tradable guy, or who should be traded, mm-hmm. uh, either before the season starts or before the trade deadline? And they listed 32 guys. Uh, of course, we'll break that down on Friday with the uh, Packers, Bears, Vikings, Lions, tradable guys. Uh, but. The Vikings' most tradable guy that they should get rid of at the trade deadline was Andrew Booth Jr. So um, I'm going to call a spade a spade. Like, he didn't look good in the Seahawks game uh, in practice and some of the the drills he got absolutely ran over. Now, he did have, I think, a good rep before that play. But his consistency, it's like he can have a good play and then he can look absolutely, like, out of his element. And I think that's what fans are seeing. I think that's what the Vikings are, are, are concerned about uh, because he's not with the ones. He's not even with the twos half the time. So I think that's the problem is like it's like training camp kind of shows you who coaches think should be where. I mean, the fact that Ivan Pace is up there, he's going to be a potential starter now. Like he might start the first game against the Buccaneers. I'm guessing he's a 90% chance. If I was on FanDuel and I was going to take the odds, I'm going to bet on Ivan Pace Jr. to start the opening day. The the roster, there that's, that's, no that's no more questions anymore. Roster, he's on it. We already okay. know that. I think he might start the game against the Bucks, And so that's where I would put my money if I'm on FanDuel. And so when you look at Andrew Booth, if I had to bet, I would bet he's either DB like seven or he's like they're trying to find a trade partner for him after, you know, like the day before the final roster comes out or he makes the final roster and then they're still trying to actively trade him for somebody like a guard or something. I don't know. Like it, it to me, it just it, it seems like where he's being placed, which is outside – um didn't seem like the best spot for him maybe he's a nickel corner kind of like Mackenzie Alexander um I, I just don't know but he he does not look that 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 Seahawks if you watch that Seahawks fade route i was worried about like was this a slant and go was it it was 3 by 1 and your 3 by 1 principles are i don't have anything to the sideline i have no help mm-hmm. cuz i'm the furthest receiver from three other guys so i have no help to my outside if i'm the slot guy or the middle guy i have the hardest job because my guy has a two-way go in the slot my guy can run a fade he can run a wheel route he can run a post he can run a dig he can run an out so i got from the outside he can't run an out he's gonna run a fade or a slant so why jump the slant knowing you have no help to the fade your help is to the slant and it was almost like he just jumped inside because he was trying to make a play so this is what i say too sometimes when you feel threatened you do things outside of your your body and your technique, and maybe that's what's going on right now. Maybe he's reading the articles as well because the players have these in the hotel, which is terrible. I see why LeBron goes zero dark thirty during training camp. I see why Kirk Cousins tries to stay off social media during training camp. I see why some quarterbacks don't even have social media, like the like uh, Tanner Morgan. Smart, because you're gonna get absolutely murdered by 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 some dude in his mom's basement, in his underwear, saying that you suck and that you should be traded. Um, And and so that's that's what I, I think is the key here. Andrew Booth Jr. I think is athletically good. I think he has a speed. He has a strength. I think it's going to be a little bit more of him mentally, just letting go and saying, you know what, I need to stop pressing the issue and trying to make the big play, and just make the play. Like just don't 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 get beat. Knock the ball down. You don't have to pick it off and and jump a jump a slant and get a pick six. Just make the tackle if he makes the catch. Like I think just live
2: to see another day here.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the key is DBs that we don't hear about. Or we don't see a lot. They don't make the Pro Bowl, but they also don't end up on the street. And right. I think that's the key: is like there, there are certain guys that just have it to make a Pro Bowl. You know, like a, 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 a Darrell Revis, a Deion Sanders. You know, a Trayvon Diggs, who's boomer bust. Uh, there's guys like that, and then there's guys that just like say, you know what, I, I'm just gonna play my position. I'm just gonna be in the league. I'm gonna do my job. Like Trey, Trey Wayne's for years just did his job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key is like you, you, you have to be one or the other. You can't, you can't be both. You can't not make the play and get beat. Just don't get beat. If you don't get beat, that's half the battle. Now just go make the tackle. Understand where your help is coming from. So it's very fixable loop, like a long answer to your, mm-hmm. to your question, but it mm-hmm. is fixable. But I also understand why fans are on the ledge. So.
2: Do they need Mike Zimmer uh, to come out and just uh, help a little I <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that. Second?
0: That might have been so, – so it was Andrew Booth. He was a Kevin O'Connell draft pick, right? He wasn't – Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. CKOC, uh, yep. yeah, yeah, so I don't know if Zimmer's the answer for that because he mentally beat some guys down too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what I honestly think – like, again, I think the guy is really good. I think he's pressing the issue. When you draft that many DBs after your year, you're like, my goodness! Like, what do I got to do? Like, they—I right. thought I was the guy, and they went out and drafted another cornerback in the—you uh, know—in in the early rounds. And so, it, it, it's a little bit of pressure. It's pressing. This is the only job in America that every day you could lose your job because somebody is better than you. There's no other job. Like, there are CEOs that suck. There are managers and regional sales managers that suck, and there are employees behind them that do a way better job than them. There are sales reps. That suck and they just get stuff given to them hey here's more work here's more work and then there's guys that work hard but it doesn't matter that they're working hard and they're creating their own business and they're better it's just this is the corporate football hey i'm gonna feed you the ball here 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 oh you're not gonna make that catch hey you come here 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 oh you're making the catch all right bye and and that's this is the only job in america where zach wilson can sit behind Aaron Rodgers and think he has a chance like this is the reality of what we're in. Like, this is what it is. It's not going to happen, but it. this is the reality we're in. Like, there's no other job like that where you sit there at work and you're looking at the next guy like, I'm better than this guy. I think yeah. I got a chance. Like, you, you don't have that. Like, Tristan Jackson, when you look at uh, Jalen Naylor, uh, you know, it was awesome to see Tristan Jackson back on the field. But, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, Tristan Jackson as a gunner, as a hold-up guy. You know, he's making a name for himself out there on the field trying to say, hey, I might not be wide receiver five or four even, but I can be wide receiver six and be on special teams. Like uh what's the dude last year or a couple years ago from Penn State or uh, tall white? Dan, Dan Chesena. Yep. So that's that's that. You know, that's a prime example of just do something well that nobody else does. And, and it could be special teams for Tristan Jackson.
2: Yeah.
3: Ron, on the back end of that wide receiver depth chart there are so many fascinating people Christian jackson is one of them seem to be really showing out we'll see what what he can do coming back from injury i'm so interested with thayer thomas too and the way that he runs and the the question of speed and all that um harry you were talking about and all that in terms of that sort of depth that sixth seventh guy that maybe ends up on a practice squad or something like that Who should we be watching and trying to possibly get to know as someone who maybe isn't on the 53-man roster? Maybe he's on someone else's 53-man roster, but I don't know. Do you have any favorites deep in that wide receiver room right now?
0: Uh, Thayer Thomas. He came on the Ron Johnson show. He was a guest of the program. So All I got to right. get Thayer Thomas in there. Oh, Sam, you know, and we we also had reached out to a Lucky Jackson. We just never solidified a time with him, uh, but he had reached back out to us too. Uh, but Thayer Thomas, I, I think, I mean, honestly, when I say this, I look at uh, Gabe Henderson tweeted it out and Vikings Entertainment Network did as well, saying this kid has a real good chance of, uh, of making some waves on special teams. Again, another guy fighting for that wide receiver six spot uh, could be an additional uh punt returner could be an additional or the punt return. I mean honestly because because like during these joint practices, Brandon Powell, like Nikhil Harry, where are they at? Like we're not seeing the spe- the, the spectacularness of a, a, a non-padded practice under nights, night lights. Like that's what I'm watching today. I want to see Nikhil Harry and Brandon Powell because again we put our horses our money on these horses early, but there's nothing saying Thayer Thomas can't jump back in this. He had one muff punt But that's just a learning experience of saying, hey, there's no halo. Beyonce has a halo, she has a song, but there's no halo anymore so you got to get comfortable with chaos around you trying to catch these punts you cannot let it just bounce you got to get out the way and run for your life like it's a fire um so i I do like thayer thomas deep in there maybe a practice squad guy maybe a guy that's on practice squad but then gets a chance uh be due to injury like a Jalen naylor you know doesn't fully get healthy and thayer thomas gets a shot um but yeah i I think that's that's one or two there uh but but i do like thayer thomas now like watching him yesterday again he does have that cooper cup kind of shiftiness. Like, I think Kevin O'Connell likes that when you see him in the slot. Um, and, and again, it's going to come down to these games, like these next two games. Uh, and I got a chance to talk to Chris Harris, who's been on our show, uh, past game coordinator for the Titans. Mm-hmm. And I even asked him, I'm like, you know, because they're, they're, they have the New England Patriots coming to them next week. And I got a chance to talk to him. And he's like, yeah, man, like – this is what it's about. Like, we like these practices better than we actually like the games. And as a coach, he said, they're going to they're gonna grade their guys. So I asked him, like, are you using the game tape or using this practice? He said, man, I'm using the practice probably a little bit more because I'm getting a chance to see these guys in true one-on-one against a guy who doesn't like them, against a guy who's trying to embarrass them in front of their fans. Uh, and so he's like, I, I get a better idea, at least in man coverage. as a D. He's the DB coach. Uh, I don't know about linemen and linebackers and all that, but I'm looking from a DB – like I said, receiver standpoint, this is when you can see who got, like if you can beat a guy, man, to man, I can put you on the field. If you can cover a guy, man, to man, I can put you on the field. But if you are looking like you're helpless out there, or you can't create separation or you can't even make a contested catch. I can't put you out there. So I think those are the guys I'm looking for today is I, I want to see Nikhil. Cause I think, I think we threw Nikhil Harry in there too soon. I want <clears see throat> to see Nikhil Harry today. I want to see Brandon Powell and I definitely, I'm going to keep an eye on Thayer Thomas today.
1: All right, speaking of receivers, we gotta address this before we, we get you out of here, Ron. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Ryan Clark. Yeah, I saw with that. the hottest of hot takes. <laughs> I didn't want to respond and I don't Twitter. George Pickens <laughs> more talented than Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts
0: uh unreal is gonna launch a hoodie for week one i just got a a a a late breaking text from unreal hey ron we'd love to hook you up with the unreal (laughs) times viking sweatshirt hometown collection for the first game uh would you be interested in shooting a commercial with us for the of course i will so i'm I'm gonna we're gonna have the ron johnson show unveiling of the shirt at some point Mm -hmm. um so i don't know what they'll you know i don't know how we're gonna do it sam but we're gonna do like a ron johnson show unveiling of the unreal hoodie beautiful um I'm not going to talk about Ryan Clark. No. So this is what I say. He's a Steelers guy. Um, he, he loves the Steelers. We know that. Um, talented can be taken in numerous of ways. Like George Pickens is extremely talented for wearing a pushai shiesty. For those that know what it, a pooh is, Google it. Uh, it's what the young kids wear now. It's the mask they pull over because it's a rapper that wore it and everybody thinks it's new. I wore it back in the 80s because it was cold outside and I had ski goggles, but that's what we did in, in, in Minnesota and in Detroit when I was growing up. We wore pooh to football practice because it was freezing cold in Canada when I played. But now a pooh is something cool, like Drew Brees' son wore it. and I talked to Drew when he was up here last year and he talked about the poo. So George Pickens Pickens uh, like is is more like he he has a bigger personality. Um, he likes to be like thugged out when it comes to like how he deals with DBs on the field. Like he loves to like embarrass his own teammates and drop the ball in their lap. He makes a ton of one handed diving catches. Um, I don't know where this talent like thing is. Like I don't. I, I would need the definition of talent. And that he did
3: clarify that. On what Twitter. did he say? He's, he said uh, that Pickens was a five-star recruit and Jefferson was a two-star recruit, therefore. That's, that's his barometer. That's
0: talent. We're talking about high school, though. So he was more talented than high me. school. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was more talented. Because I, I just went to dictionary.com. You know, it says natural aptitude or skill. That's what talent is. He possesses more talent than any other player. Oh, they must have taken this right from Ryan Clark. He has more natural aptitude or skill. A former weight of currency. Oh, talent was a former weight of currency. Didn't know that. They're especially used in the ancient Romans and Greeks. Maybe he's a better Roman than a Greek. I I don't know. But here here's where I go with this. From a talent standpoint, Let's go with the definition, natural aptitude or skill. So maybe he's saying that George Pickens is more naturally like athletic and talented than Justin Jefferson. But he did say Justin Jefferson is a student of the game. He knows the ins and outs, and that's what makes him great. Makes him great as he catches the ball and he runs really good routes and nobody can stick with him. So, I I mean, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that George Pickens is more talented. I don't understand how we can say, you know, because like if we look at LeBron James versus Kobe Bryant versus Michael Jordan, you know, like Michael Jordan didn't make his ninth grade team. LeBron James was in the fifth grade on varsity. So Boy. are we going to say LeBron James is more talented than Michael Jordan? That's, I mean, like where, where are we going with this? Like LeBron James is more athletic. Like if you watch Jordan and some of these guys move, LeBron James overall is a more athletic guy uh, than Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan was in a different era. You know, you didn't have to be as fluid. LeBron James is 6'8", you know, so like, where are we gonna go with that? So I, I'm gonna say Michael Jordan is the best ever. I'm gonna say Justin Jefferson is the best receiver. So we'll
1: go with that. Yeah, George Pickens is great at contested catches, correct? And that it the looks Jordan's really cool, a, yeah. and he gets to gets to use his physicality and athleticism. But you know who else is good at contested catches? Justin Jefferson. True, he had more than anybody in the league last year. So <laughs> you can say that George Pickens is talented, but more talented than Justin Jefferson, yeah. I'd, I don't know about that. We Um, might have to get Ryan on here. I don't know if he'll come on
0: here, though, because every time I've asked him, like, his Kirk Cousins comments, I was like, hey, you want to come on the show? Remember, and he texts me back. Like, man, I'm not talking about Kirk Cousins anymore. But this is what I tell you, (laughs) tell your fans, because he texts me that. Like, tell your fans this, man, that that Kirk Cousins can make the throws, but I'm not. Until he can win the playoff game, I ain't buying it. You know, so, like, he's probably not going to talk about Justin Jefferson anymore, because that's how Ryan is. He throws stuff out there into the ether, and then he, like, it's like a bomb. He throws it, and then it's, cover! and he just runs off and lets t- Twitter blow up and that's what happened like it, you know what it's it's what it is today you can be sensational and be sensationalized and go viral um and that's that's what i think it's about like it, sometimes you just got to you got to you got to stake your and here do i go with this i hate and i'm not it's not going to happen but what if George Pickens gets 2000 yards then Ryan Clark's going to be up here all day on twitter like i told y'all i told y'all you know so it, it won't happen though george pickens not going to get 2000 yards but I think Justin Jefferson will. So that's the thing. Like Justin Jefferson at two thousand yards, are we still going to say George Pickens is more talented? I would hope not. But and
1: hey. and Justin Jefferson yesterday, like he still finds a way to kind of find that motivation. Even yesterday, he's saying, "I want to be in a place where everyone thinks I'm the number one receiver." Like he still yeah. feels that doubt. I think in some areas, um, which is kind of I, yeah. Of I don't think everybody can. thinks he
0: is. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. he shouldn't feel that way. He shouldn't feel like he's number one because theoretically, we don't know. Like Cooper Cup was hurt last year, you know. So, like, what, what, what is like, what can Cooper Cup do? Like, what is this going to look like this season with a healthy Cooper Cup, uh, with a healthy Justin Jefferson, uh, healthy DeAndre Hopkins with Ryan Tannehill? All of a sudden, now he's the new AJ, Brown, the AJ Jalen Hurts. You know, Devonta Smith. Like, there's a lot of receivers out there that we can say. I mean, Justin Jefferson for one is one, but you know, I, I feel him. Like, you gotta, you gotta make everybody believe. Like Randy Moss at one point let everybody know he was the best, and so that's what just it's about consistency can Justin Jefferson do this every single year with double and triple coverage. That's
2: How J- How JJ looked by the way yesterday. I saw one drop I saw one clip of a drop. That's it. That's all I saw. I didn't. I didn't, hear, I didn't see a didn't ton. A peep, to be honest, saying,
0: I didn't see a ton either. He was one on ones. He was just Justin. Nothing special. There were some errant throws. Uh, I think he was in with J- like they were mixing in the quarterbacks a lot too. Like it wasn't just Kirk to Justin. J- uh, J- uh, J- uh, Jalen Hall got some opportunities to throw to him. Oh, okay. Uh, what's yeah. his name? Number twelve got some opportunities. Mullins. I, Mullins. My, yeah, because I think what they're trying to do truly is figure out who is our QB two. Yeah. So I think they wanted him a chance to go with some of the top guys. And Jaron Hall, honestly, I'm not gonna lie, he looked good running the ball he ran away from the guys but some of his throws were behind Justin uh you know Nick Mullins threw some like I think Jaron Hall or one of them threw an interception off a helmet or maybe that was Kirk so there was it was it was some very interesting um uh I don't know Sam you tell me it felt like team felt kind of dead on the Vikings offensive side
2: So it sounded to-
1: like totally a two minute drill were was a quick interception for Mullins and Cousins um and I felt like Ron I think the defenses were taking advantage of the wind like they knew that guys couldn't throw deep it was yeah. just impossible so yeah, everything and the Vikings was were going
0: against the wind yeah I forgot yeah. about that era cuz the punter he punted a 90 something yarder with the wind uh but yeah you're right Kirk Cousins was going with I don't understand why they didn't flip the field that was kind of annoying like they should have flipped it cuz they were going yeah. with the wind and the Titans got to go with the wind so Ryan Tannehill's deep ball on a Caleb Evans was with the wind and the Vikings were so I know they were trying to like simulate like, okay, Titans are driving this way, Vikings are driving this way, so that it feels like a game. So their defense and their coaches can kind of operate on the same side. That was stupid. Like I'll be like, hey man, look, let's flip this. We're going with the wind too. Like like this is dumb. Like I'm throwing, I'm throwing deep balls and it's getting stopped 10 yards short because the wind took it. So yeah. But and it's windy today too. So who knows? Who knows what we'll see today.
1: Yeah, for sure. Should be a spirited roundtable tomorrow on Friday. Uh, Julia Daniels in for Reggie Wilson tomorrow, by the way, Ron. There's a pr- production yeah. note for you. Luke Inman will be with us. That'll be tomorrow morning on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Thanks, Ron, no, for your contributions. It. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Ron Johnson, at 3 Ron Johnson on Twitter. Reminder, we're partnered with SiriusXM. Find all the Lockdown Sports Minnesota content on the SXM app. Um, any follow-ups on the Pickens-Jefferson thing? Because I, I... Obviously, caught my ear, caught my eye. Did the, some digging to compare the two, and really, what I said, like other than him making, he is a great contested catch receiver. He is one of the best in the league. So is Justin Jefferson. Like I, I don't see. I don't see any credible argument here, other than if you want to get into the semantics of definition, like what it means to be talented.
2: Well, that's the thing. I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast. Daniel Jeremiah was at Steelers camp, and he made a great point about how there's 32 teams in the league but there ain't 32 number one wide receivers in the league right now. You know what I mean? Like you can be the top wideout on your team and depth chart by default, but that doesn't mean you're a true number one wideout the way most people would define it. Um but then he did go on to gush about George Pickens and he said this dude does look like he's turning into a true number one big bodied alpha wide receiver has all the traits, he's looking the part. So I could see how people could say he looks the part now in year two of a true number one wide receiver, the way we define it. But being a number one guy and being toe-to-toe with Justin Jefferson, I mean, that's two completely different things. That's a different argument I get. So I don't know. I get it, Patrick Peterson. That's your teammate. You're obviously going to speak highly of the guy. But behind the scenes, off camera, right, like peek behind the curtain, I'm sure even Patrick Mm -hmm. Peterson would probably have to admit Pickens is nowhere near close to what J.J. has done and is doing to this point. But like Ron said, physically, I, I you know, with the size and the strength, you know, the one-handed catches, the splash plays, sure, he could be compared to J.J. on some levels, but there's so many other variables and attributes that makes an elite wideout elite. Hands, route running, your release off the line of scrimmage, uh, being able to read coverages, just to name a few.
3: Yeah, I, I think I know what happened here. Because I I believe, I'm looking it up right now, but I believe combine-wise, Jefferson outperforms Pickens in like every drill. I think it's faster 40, faster agility, all that stuff. I think Pickens is a little bit taller. I think that's the only one he has on, on Jefferson. But I think what happened here is Ryan Clark was looking at like the high school potential recruiting and stuff, which Jefferson very famously was like not done growing. Like he wasn't fully filled out adult yet until he was like 19, he was a late bloomer. So recruiters were like, ah, yeah, this is a scrawny kid, two stars. <laughs> and that's what happened here. <laughs> and I think he's just mistaking that for like actual talent versus wait until both of these guys are out of college and they've definitely, you know, become the body types that they're going to be. Uh, it's very clear. And and there's also a really underrated thing about wide receiver talent That we don't, we can't measure. So I don't think it gets talked about a lot, but flexibility um, is Mm -hmm. so important. And if you see Jefferson, there's a great example of it from the joint practices, Jefferson running around. There's a clip out there somewhere of him releasing, uh, I think it's uh, called a jab release. There's a million names for all of them, um, where it's a step outside and then a release to the inside. And because his body is just so flexible, he can take that first step so far to the outside that the corner does not have the option to not react to it. And then he can he's so explosive that he can cut off of that release and get a, a ton of separation and get the corner back out of phase. That does more for me. That particular kind of athleticism does more for me than any kind of, you know, height, weight, Recruiting or anything like mm-hmm. that. I think it was about- when it comes to Peterson, he's just being a homer, like whatever. Yeah. And course. Peterson, away, I thought like, he talked
1: fine. around it. He was like he was he was kind to his guy. But I thought he you could tell immediately when he was asked, and he went, uh yeah, I could see that. Like he was his gears were spinning. He didn't want to really yeah. get into that. I don't think it's like wh- and you know what? He said the right thing. Say go gas up your teammate.
3: Yeah. If we, if you have an ounce of of brain in your skull, you as a Vikings fan can be okay with what Patrick Peterson said. Just yeah. think about it for two
2: seconds;
1: you'll be all right.
2: You know who went ten picks before George Pickens?
1: So this was sec Was his second round in twenty twenty two?
2: Fifty second pick last year. Okay. Oh, 10 picks. It's Booth Andrew Booth, Booth. Booth. That's it. That's all. That's all I got.
1: I just wanted to mention that. That's it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding us. That's great. That's <clears throat> nice of you. Yeah. Um, so yesterday Kirk Cousins failed in the two minute. And I got to thinking, like, are how what is realistic of us to expect from a clutchness perspective from Kirk Cousins? And I did some research that blew me away. Like, if, if you ever need evidence that the law of averages and the law of regression is a real thing, check this out. There have been four quarterbacks to log seven or more comebacks, fourth quarter comebacks. Um, Kirk Cousins last year. Matthew Stafford had eight in 2016. Drew Brees had seven in 2009. Derek Carr had seven in 2016. So let's just look at that group, right? Matthew Stafford had eight in 2016. Guess how many he had the next year? Two. He had one. And not only that, he had nine combined in the next five years. And he had eight in one year.
2: That's crazy. Took him five
1: years to have nine opportunities there were. Exact. Yeah. It is opportunity based. True. Yeah. Drew Brees, 2009, he had seven. Guess how many he had the next year? Two. Goose egg. Wow, really? Wow. Derek Carr had seven in 2016. Next year, one. So, what are, what have we learned? It's hard to do historic things back to back, back to back seasons. And Kirk Cousins is probably not going to have that many opportunities. And if he does have those opportunities, he's probably not going to convert all of them. Like, think about last year, how many of those comebacks don't count if certain things don't happen on the other side of the ball. Cam Bynum intercepting a pass, mm-hmm. right? Patrick Peterson intercepting a pass. Josh Allen fumbling. Like, all of these that's things. That's how it goes, though, right? Exactly. Like, that, that's that's the the
3: point of all of this is mm-hmm. there have been plenty of games where Cousins has been on the wrong side of that too, where he played really well in the fourth quarter and he tried to make a comeback and then the kicker missed a field goal. I remember like the Bucks in uh, 2020, that game. If I remember Kirk was really good in that game, but then kicker missed like three Dan, field Dan goals. Dan yeah, the Dan Bailey game. And he missed mm-hmm. like three field goals and we lost by like five or something like that. So, you know, you, you're, you're going to get the right end and the wrong end of that. And that will probably average out over the long run. I think if we want to answer how clutch is Cousins, um, last year is a really great one to do that with because the answer is really obvious. So you can kind of test if your method's working. <laughs> uh, but you just you have to look at the opportunities you had to be clutch. If you lose a game by two scores and it's over by the fourth quarter, nobody comes out of that game and says, hey, "Yeah, and by the way, what about Kirk Cousins's clutchness in this game?" Because it was we were all asleep by the fourth quarter. Nobody talks about that, right? But if you say, you know, well, he didn't have so many. Uh, game winning drives we are kind of using that as part of that sample if you say well he had zero game winning drives that year well that was one of those games that we are expecting to happen sometimes like to have a game winning drive sometimes like I don't know if that makes sense no I but, like think it does. yeah we have to look at the opportunities to be cl- there will be close games it's just, that's the way football is. You don't get through a season with every game being a nice, clean, easy thing. So there will be close games. There will be crazy ones. There will be fourth quarter moments where Cousins has a minute to drive and is within a score, and can you do it? And let's see how he does. Um, I think clutchness is a famously hard thing to measure. Remember all the ESPN QBR clutch index crap they had years of old? It was horrible. It, it's not something that I think we should try to put a number on. It's a vibe. You got, you got vibe it out. Let's see if he's got the same vibe.
2: I'm with you. I thought you explained that pretty well. Like, I I think the gene is in there. You know, the whole unclutch thing to this point is has to be debunked to a certain degree. 28 game winning drives on his resume. Eight of them obviously just came last year. 22 fourth quarter comebacks on top of that as well. To Sam's point, super fair to expect things are going to revert back to the mean this year. But I think the clutch gene is in there, it's there to stay. When it comes down to this year, it just boils down to how many situations will he be in where he needs to muster up a game-winning drive and all those pieces of the puzzle fit perfectly and everything lines up the stars align for him to go do that. Just knowing this defense is going to be a work in progress. They're going to live and die by the blitz a lot this year. I think we could see a lot of opportunities again where this offense is playing from behind, fourth quarters, late in games, things like that. Um, And the difference, too, this time around versus last year, the schedule and teams they're going to play in 2023, it's going to be a lot tougher. I mean, with a first-place schedule, that's just how it goes. But I think you both made really good points. Sam busting out the stats saying these things revert back to the mean the next year. So pump the brakes. Don't expect eight or anything close to that. But Luke's right. It just really boils down to the opportunities and if the ball bounces the right way and he's even in that situation in the first place.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Good show today, fellas. I'm going to go hang out with Ron at joint practices, watch some Titans, Vikings, and we'll report back on the round table tomorrow. Big thanks to Luke Braun. He'll be back on Monday talking about the preseason game number two. And we'll, of course, have a preseason fantasy team update on that day. At Luke underscore Spinman At Luke Braun NFL. He hosts Locked on Vikings. And I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter slash X. Thanks for listening and watching. Today, it's the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.